0: more and more educators to this day are starting to accrue getting loan forgiveness stories. So to date, actually, as of this past September, we found well over 700,000 public service workers out there have gotten public service loan forgiveness, and that's equated to well over $50 billion in student debt forgiveness, which is really amazing.
1: Hello and welcome to School Me, the National Education Association's podcast dedicated to helping educators thrive at every stage of their careers. I'm your host, Natika Samuels. Student debt is a huge issue for Americans in general, and for our members in particular, since so many educators are college educated or even have advanced degrees. 2023 was a big year for student debt news between the Supreme Court case rulings and new repayment plans being put in place. So to demystify these changes and to discuss the future of student debt, I've asked Ronnie Lau from NEA's Government Relations Department to join the show today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ronnie. Of course. Can we start off with a little bit of information about you and your position at NEA?
0: Thanks, Tatika. Pleasure to be here. My name is Ronnie Lau and I am a manager in government relations at the National Education Association. The government relations department here at NEA is the head of all of our lobbyists. So we are up on and off the hill and communicate with our partners, both thought partners and those who may be against some of the things that we advocate for. But we advocate for legislation that benefit of public education and to our educators out there all across the U.S.
1: So let's get down to business because student debt has been a huge and growing problem for Americans for a really long time. But looking back, the pandemic really put things into focus. So can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic affected the state of student debt in this country?
0: I think the biggest situation is that it exacerbated a lot of existing issues that's been happening for our educators. You know, I think with the pandemic and when COVID hit, there was a ton of things that was occurring about how education was going to get push forward in the first place. Really good examples about how our education support professionals, which work so hard in providing and feeding our children that you know are reliant on school meals. There are questions about how we can use the best technology to continue with doing education through that timeframe. And then of course, returning back into classrooms and assisting with the health and safety of our students and our educators when we were going back into the classrooms. But the biggest thing of course, is also that has been the overarching conversation about educator student debt and educator pay. This is a long-standing issue that had affected educators well before the pandemic and more or less the pandemic exacerbated all these issues. We saw a ton of educators get in dire situations about wondering what to do with their finances. We had situations where educator pay wasn't keeping up with their student debts. They're making sacrifices and trying to figure out what would be the best to make the student debt payments continue in terms of those situations, whether it's going buying a new car, limiting their goals and finances about whether they want to go get a mortgage or you know holding off taking a vacation they really wanted. And so luckily when the pandemic happened, we had a great thing called the student debt payment pause where educators didn't have to make student loan payments for a pretty long, determined amount of time. And since then, the payment pauses ended, but that granted about three and a half years of relief to folks. And it was really a big lifeline to a lot of folks during that timeframe when there was so much uncertainty around the pandemic. But as I mentioned right now, we're back into full student loan payments at this point.
1: And do you have any numbers on the educator debt situation in particular so we can sort of get a picture of what's going on for our members?
0: So NEA did a wonderful research report back in 2021 to really get a good grasp about what educator debt looked like amongst the profession. The big thing that we found is that things are coming no surprise to us. We know educator debt is substantially larger than the general population. We found on average of those who still hold educator debt somewhere around $58,000. And that's just across the board, that is K-12, education support professionals, higher education faculty. Those are the numbers that we found when we surveyed our educators who had educator debt and what that looks like for them. We've also found that it disproportionately impacts people of color which is similar in the sense of the general population. We know people of color carry substantially much more student debt, and that is the same for those who are also in the educator space. So we found that black and brown educators have somewhere even higher, around in the 60s to the 70s. And I think some of the echelons of the larger ranges of what we found in educator debt, you have educator debt that's in well over six figures, just because of the pay disparities that they have to go through within their careers. But also at the same time, you have to think about with educator certification And the number of degrees that are required, you know, oftentimes a lot of educators have to go through more schooling than traditional professions, which in turn leads to more educator debt in that situation. And
1: 2023 was a big year for student debt news and changes. So can you give us a roundup of what's been happening lately? I know there's a lot to hit there
0: so the first thing i want to start off is talking about public service loan forgiveness or pslf for short public service loan forgiveness is a program that was created back in 2007 by a ton of bipartisan support in congress and the goal of it was simple if you worked 10 years in a public service profession, which includes a ton of educators and higher education professionals out there. And if you work in 10 years of public service, then you get the remaining balance of your federal student debt forgiven. When the first set of applicants came through back in 2017, we found well over 90% of applicants were being rejected from getting loan forgiveness. Create a huge serious problem. We heard a ton of stories from our NEA members out there about how this program wasn't working and we need to make significant changes and improvement to it. So NEA with a ton of voices and messages messages from our educators backing us. We advocated to the Biden administration when they took office to make serious changes to PSLF and they listened to us. So back in 2021, they instituted something called the limited PSLF waiver, and it essentially provided a ton more leeway to fixing a ton of the problems that were rejecting educators in the first place. And the reason why it leads to today is that more and more educators to this day are starting to accrue getting loan forgiveness stories. So to date, actually, as of this past September, we found well over 700,000 public service workers out there have gotten public service loan forgiveness. And that's equated to well over $50 billion in student debt forgiveness, which is really amazing. And the number is gonna continue to keep going up, even though the waiver has long expired and was enacted back in 2021. They're still processing applications to this date and we find more and more success stories from our union members out there which is really amazing and at the same time that work isn't over by any means we're going to continue to keep pushing through on this because there are other changes and reforms by the Biden administration that continue to benefit folks to getting debt forgiveness like pslf and then just moving more into different things around the 2023 front there are different fights that nea has been involved in one of it was of course the supreme court fight looking at the broader student debt cancellation proposal that President Biden had proposed to cancel up to $20,000 in student debt for all Americans. And this is separate from public service loan forgiveness. And then also something called the SAVE plan, which is a new income driven repayment plan that is helping folks save a ton of money on their monthly student loan payments, especially now when we're into October, when student loan payments again are resuming for the first time in well over three years.
1: So you just mentioned the SAVE plan or the Student Aid for Value and Equity plan. Can you give an overview of this new repayment plan, who's eligible, and what kind of benefits it offers to borrowers and especially educators?
0: So the Biden administration announced this new SAVE plan. It is a new income-driven repayment plan and is noted as being the most affordable repayment plan in history it is already available out there so a ton of folks have already signed up for it millions of borrowers in that fact and you can still sign up for it there's no time limited basis about when it is available for folks but on average under save they have found that monthly payments under save are expected to drop at least by a thousand dollars annually for most borrowers compared to the other existing idr plans that are available out there and so save is replacing what is called repay so if you're on repay already then you'll be moved to save automatically for all other folks you can apply for save really easily through the department of education's website through their federal student aid office through the save plan the other thing that's great about it is that it is lowering payments because it is calculating the discretionary income threshold a little higher than what it is on the other idr plans and so with that said that is lowering also about where student loan payments are going to be on a monthly aspect which allows for that savings to happen In addition to that as long as you're making on-time student loan payments under save it's going to cover any interest that accrues over your monthly balance oftentimes that we've seen folks making student loan payments we know that you know they don't see that total balance drop at any point and it seems like you're making zero dents onto that process and save really looks to tackle that for that reason so Based on all these different aspects in terms of the amount of yearly savings that you'll get on it, that interest is being covered to some respect, it makes total sense for all folks to be on save at this point. We recommend mostly 90% of folks to be on SAVE for that aspect. There really is no requirements about whether you can or cannot be on SAVE. All you have to do is just really apply for it. And I think the final thing about why SAVE is so beneficial is that you have to be on an income-driven repayment plan for public service loan forgiveness. The 120 payments over the course of a 10-year career made for PSLF to be on an income driven repayment plan and save being an income driven repayment plan counts towards that so not only can you get all the benefits of save but every single payment that you make on save will count towards public service loan forgiveness which is so essential for educators
1: and you also mentioned the supreme court ruling against president biden's attempts to cancel more student debt can you dive a little bit more into what happened there and what that might mean for the future been any other attempts to relieve debt for people?
0: So kind of giving a little bit of background, as I mentioned, President Biden announced last year about canceling student debt broadly. This was a campaign promise that President Biden largely ran on, and he fulfilled that right by announcing this amazing plan that was looking to solve the student debt crisis for a lot of folks. But as expected, we hit a lot of legal issues with it, legal attacks from a lot of conservative groups and right-wing organizations that really wanted to bring this program to a halt and not get it implemented. And so there have been numerous ways, and I won't get into the caveats about how we got to that moment, but essentially there are moments of injunctions and challenges to it that led it to be brought all the way up to the Supreme Court. And then unfortunately of July of this year, the Supreme Court struck it down saying that it essentially could not be carried out under the authority of the heroes act which is how president biden was looking to execute the program the heroes act was a piece of legislation that essentially provides some more leniency in terms of how the president can enact some executive action in terms of times of crisis including things like the pandemic and that was the authority that he was largely depending upon to implement this program while that the supreme court struck down the program and it is a minor setback there is still different ways that this administration is trying to go through to fully execute the program as i mentioned one of the ways of what they're trying to do is through the safe plan in the meantime obviously with student debt payments resumed the safe plan is there as a conduit to help folks make their student loan payments in a much more affordable way but in addition to that they're trying to go through something called negotiated rulemaking, which is a regulatory process of the department of education much more formalized and isn't in a way of using it as like an executive action to enact a program but a formal way about going through the whole rulemaking process, discussing with stakeholders and other policymakers about how we can best move this program forward through that aspect, outline the program through rulemaking and regulatory policy. And then hopefully through that avenue, we can still institute this program and get broad student debt relief for a lot of Americans.
1: I want to talk a bit about sort of the real ballistic. <laughs> implications of all the things we're talking about as you mentioned in October student loan payments resumed for the first time in many years people are actually having to pay down their loans can you shed some light on the significance of this change and how borrowers are going to be impacted obviously a lot of people are going to benefit from the safe plan but what do they need to do to make sure that that's happening for them? And how can people sort of manage their financial life while these payments resume?
0: The first thing I'll mention is that there is something the administration right now and the Department of Education is doing that's kind of what we're calling like an on-ramp. It's a really great tool that's going to protect a lot of at-risk borrowers. Obviously, we expect a lot of folks to struggle and try to readjust and pay for their student loans. I'm sure you can imagine, right, having not to pay on student loans for three and a half years. It's just not on your mindset in terms of your financial planning and what that looks like. So there's going to be situations where some folks may miss payments, provide late payments, forget about it altogether, right? So this on-ramp is going to be a really important tool, but essentially, the Department of Education is ensuring that over the next 12 months past October, that this essentially provides a cushion. So if you do miss a payment or provide a late payment, there won't be any negative ramifications to your credit record for any reporting on that aspect, which is going to be really essential for a lot of borrowers in this readjustment phase. This isn't to say that folks shouldn't pay their student loans. But it's there in the event that you do forget or miss it by a time period that it's there to protect borrowers. And I think that's really necessary in that readjustment phase. Tika, as you mentioned, the save plan is going to be big on folks to save on the student loan payments and make it more affordable and actually hopefully make progress in getting down on student loan payments. But as I mentioned, you know, you need to be on an IDR plan to get public service loan forgiveness. And save plan is an IDR plan. So with that said. These two work in tandem with each other and work really great. And hopefully with SAVE and PSLF working together with all these improvements, folks can actually get on time forgiveness if you're an educator or public service worker at year 10 of their career, which is something that we're really looking forward to.
1: I think there was also so much news in the last year, especially that contradicted themselves. So are we going to have to start paying soon or were you not going to have to start paying soon? Is the Supreme court going to strike this down? There's just so many like false starts, I think for people that it makes sense that people might not have planned to resume their payments at this time. So it's really great that there's at least something there to help them get on the right foot again. Yep. And toward the end of the year, there's going to be another opportunity for people to count previous payments. Toward public service loan forgiveness that may not have counted before, which is major because you have to have 120 payments in order to get your loans forgiven. So, can you talk a little bit more about this opportunity for those extra payments to count?
0: So, this is something called the account adjustment or one time account adjustment or IDR account adjustment. These are all the terms that are floating around, so they're all the same. But essentially, the PSLF waiver had ended in October 2022. So despite that window has closed, the Department of Education has promised to look at doing this one-time adjustment to credit more times for folks to get public service loan forgiveness. So if you had missed the window and had not applied for PSLF a year ago during the limited waivers timeframe, then you still have this opportunity through the account adjustment. And so this account adjustment will count all different times of spent in repayments, regardless of whether the payments were made on time, whether the repayment plan wasn't an income-driven repayment plan, whether they were in forbearance for a long-term aspect. All these different situations will still be credited towards the account adjustment towards the 10 years and the 120 payments needed to accrue for public service loan forgiveness and the Biden administration estimates that roughly 3.6 million borrowers will receive at least three years of credit towards loan forgiveness And a lot of folks will just see their loans get forgiven automatically outright because they just have accrued enough over the course of their career. And so right now you don't really need to take much into effect to get access to the account adjustments. It's going to happen at the beginning of 2024. So if you have a direct loan, you can just sit and stay still and just keep doing what you're doing and enroll on IER plan and apply for PSLF regularly. And then the account adjustment will just roll through. and automatically on the back end go into effect. But we do advise though, if you do have something called a fell loan or Perkins loan, you still need to do something called loan consolidation federal direct loan consolidation specifically. And that's something that you need to do because only direct loans have access to public service loan forgiveness. And by consolidating your loans, it will move that into that eligible aspect. And so if you do have a fell loan or a forgiveness loan, like I mentioned, be sure to consolidate before 2024. And then once you do that, you can apply for public service loan forgiveness normally and it will be sure to credit all things to the account adjustment, making sure that, you know, any previous moments in repayments or years of service will count towards PSLF.
1: Thanks for listening to School Me and a quick thank you to all of the NEA members listening. If you're not an NEA member yet, visit nea.org slash join to learn more about member benefits. Now, thinking about the conversation around student debt that's been happening over the past few years, Most of the people that I know talk about it as just a good thing that student debt will get canceled. A lot of people I know have student debt and all of this is really great news for them. But I know that there are people who oppose student loan debt cancellation, often citing reasons like, well, I paid mine, so why shouldn't you have to pay yours? So how do you respond to people who have that perspective, especially considering the changing economic landscape? and? the increasing cost of education, period.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a big conversation that we've had in a lot of discussions with a lot of different individuals in the space. I think, Datiki, you're bringing back on the economic situation is really big on that i think the one thing that we really have to look at is the cost of college has completely changed in terms of where some folks may have been decades ago right part of that is because of divestment into public higher education overall in general and that has thus also increased the cost of college and tuition for a lot of folks we're seeing that this divestment that is happening nationwide and statewide a lot of the funding that comes from state and locales that go to into higher education are no longer there or available And thus, it only comes out of one way, and then that comes out of folks' pockets instead. And so that's part of the reason why we've seen such an inflated cost of college in comparison to where it was decades ago. And so it's just not as easy at looking for folks to pay off their student debt on their own because of the rising cost. I think the other thing that we also have to look at is obviously where we're at with interest rates obviously you know the federal government provides student loans at the lowest interest rate possible in comparison to some of the private loans out there but because there's so many avenues and because the cost of college is so high right there's a ton of banks and other entities out there that look to really prey upon students to make college more affordable or to loan them better, what they would claim better rates for them to get into higher education. And I think, you know, having a combination of those things complicates the process a ton. A lot of private student loans don't qualify for loan forgiveness for all the federal programs that exist out there. The federal government simply put can only forgive the student loans that they hold themselves. And so a lot of those private loans are ineligible to get forgiveness in that sense. And then of course there are other organizations that look to kind of help folks or claim to help folks, but may also rid them in a way where they may not be able to get loan forgiveness. Consolidation, when I mentioned it earlier, is a tricky term because a lot of private banks use consolidation as a term, but when in reality it means refinancing your student loans. And refinancing your student loans oftentimes takes them out of the federal aspect and moves them into a private bank. And again, like I mentioned, then it becomes a private loan and they're no longer able to get loan forgiveness from that aspect. And I think the other thing that we also need to look at too, finally, is that just because someone has the ability or has the high salary to pay off their student loans doesn't necessarily mean they actually can. There's a difference between having a high salary paying job versus having the financial wealth and growth to go do so. This oftentimes gets most applicable to folks who are of color, right? You know, a doctor or a lawyer may be making six figures, right? But despite that they're making six figures, they may not have the generational wealth to go pay off their student loans. And that's something that we really need to take a look at about in the fairness aspect, because not everybody may be in still the same space despite making more money than somebody else.
1: So we've talked a lot about the efforts that President Biden has made in order to address student debt. It was a campaign promise. And so he's been trying to make good on that promise. That's included executive actions, initiatives outside of congressional approval. So can you discuss some of those significant actions that he's taken to provide relief for borrowers so far? Yeah,
0: I think the first and biggest thing is definitely public service loan forgiveness. Like I mentioned, public service loan forgiveness was broken for so long. the rejection of over 90 percent of applicants is utterly ridiculous right so many folks that were using this or may have went into a public service profession was dependent on this as a lifeline and so by correcting this program and making sure that those who have long reached that threshold to get forgiveness have gotten it now is really huge and then ensuring that those in the future who look to aspire to be the next educator or nurse or a firefighter or a police officer. There's so many folks out there who are dependent on this program and ensuring that the mechanisms are working correctly is gonna make a huge difference for those folks, especially those who are in public sector jobs that may be traditionally less lucrative than what they might be getting in the private sector. And so fixing public service loan forgiveness is a huge thing and it's a huge promise that this country has made to those folks. And we're really glad that it's in a better place from what Biden has done on that front. I think the other thing, of course, like I mentioned, is that SAVE, for the longest time, obviously, with student loan payments, it just wasn't affordable for a lot of folks to be making payments on their student loans. That's why folks enter into forbearance or enter in situations where they're never able to actually pay down their student debt. But ensuring that SAVE is working correctly and covering the interest when they're making on-time payments and also raising the threshold of discretionary income being considered into the factor that's all going to make a huge difference for folks. And 90% of folks will be enrolled in the save and hopefully we'll be in a better place on that front. And then, of course, like I mentioned, Biden is also not moving away from his campaign promise. Despite that there is a setback from the Supreme Court's ruling, he's figuring out through negotiated rulemaking about how he can still try to cancel large swaths of student debt for a lot of folks. That's going to be huge once we get through this process. And, you know, we're going to be monitoring to see if there's going to be any other efforts that block this attempt. But in the meantime, this is just another way about him not giving up on a promise, but trying to make do through it, even if it wasn't the original intended avenue that he hoped to go through. And then there are other avenues also as well. President Biden's doing a great job at looking at existing federal programs that he clearly has authority to, that's been charged by Congress to cancel student debt. There are things like borrowed offense, which is used to defraud student loans for folks who may have attended a school that has been closed or was providing a false degree to them or something that may not be a great education to them for a for-profit institution. There's also discharges through those who have total and permanent disabilities and President Biden has forgiven a ton of student debt through that front as well. I think overall as an aspect, President Biden has forgiven more student debts than any other previous administration. So while he hasn't been able to execute his full staple program, that's something that we really like to emphasize because he's doing this through as many mechanisms as possible that is at his disposal.
1: And so then what is next? Do you have any indication of what President Biden will be trying to do in the future? Of course, we're not in the White House. We don't have all of the information. But just based on the work that you do, have you heard what's coming next in 2024 and beyond?
0: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is looking at negotiated rulemaking. Negotiate rulemaking whenever anything goes through that process. Is very long, regardless of what it is. And so they're trying to expedite it as much as they can because they know student debt relief from a broad cancellation approach is really needed. But it's going to be a long slog, to say the least, and we know it's going to go into next year. We've only had the first couple of sessions this month on negotiated rulemaking. So more conversations are going to go into that in the future about outlining what this program looks like and how are we going to touch folks on that. And I think, second, is just continue to monitor and track the successes of where. Loan forgiveness is still occurring through all the other programs I mentioned earlier. How the changes and ongoing work in public service loan forgiveness is going to benefit more individuals. We're going to continue to see more and more success stories of educators and other public service workers out there benefiting from the program and its onus on the NEA and the colleagues of those who are getting loan forgiveness to spread the amazing news to everyone else because While hundreds of thousands of folks are getting this loan forgiveness, not everyone's aware about that these programs are available out there for folks. And so it's really on us to go share that information and share the opportunities out there for folks to make life-changing differences in their finances by getting loan forgiveness. And I think the same thing goes through the IER account adjustments. We continue to see folks get benefit out of that also as well. Overall, there's a lot of situations where every single couple of months, the Biden administration announces a new swath of hundreds of thousands of folks who are able to get loan forgiveness. And I fully expect that we'll continue to see that through the next coming months, especially well into 24.
1: All right. So I think we've covered a lot of ground, but in case someone is listening and just wants sort of the TLDR of what we've been talking about What is the first step or the first few steps that someone who has significant student debt is an educator or NEA member, what are the resources that they should consult? What are the actions that they should take immediately to get themselves on a road to relief?
0: Yeah, the easiest thing that our educators can do is go to our website, nea.org, specifically nea.org forward slash student debt. That will bring them to the front page of all of our student debt resources. You know, there's obviously a wealth of knowledge out there that can make the student debt field confusing, but that's where the NEA comes in. We try to create our resources to be the most educator-centric possible and to speak the language of where educators need in their resources around student debt forgiveness opportunities. And so all that information is in a great one place. We talk about return to repayment now that we're back into payments in October. We talk about the SAVE plan. We talk about public service loan forgiveness and outlines different steps about how folks can take advantage of all these things. And again, in an educator centric way that is most beneficial to our members out there and leveraging these opportunities. There's a wealth of resources on there, but in addition to that, we also like to hold a lot of webinars the NEA student debt team holds pretty frequent webinars, which you can sign up for all the time. There's also recordings of them if you do end up missing, but they're also a wealth of knowledge about talking about what's the latest going on in student debt. And that's a great opportunity for you guys to interface with myself and some folks on my team just about what's going on and answer any questions around what's happening in student debt. So I highly recommend folks visit our main page. That's a great way to do it. And then finally, I wanted to share about something called the savvy tool or the student debt navigator. This is a tool that is sponsored by an organization called Savvy. This is a partner organization with the NEA and our educators and our members have this as a free tool and access to helping with their student loans. Essentially the student debt navigator is a way to help folks apply for public service loan forgiveness, help them apply for student loan consolidation, help them apply for the SAVE plan, all these things out there. We recognize that even with the wealth of resources out there, it's still not the easiest thing to do. And Savvy right there provides you know one-on-one support to all of our educators about how they can navigate through all that stuff. And they're a great partner out there. They've helped so many of our educators get loan forgiveness and navigate through the SAVE plan. And it's a highly, highly beneficial thing of what folks can do. And again, as I mentioned, it's a free resource to our NEA members. And you can sign up for the Savvy tool and the Student Debt Navigator through the same way, the nea.org forward slash student debt page.
1: Well, thank you so much, Ronnie, for sharing that information. I will be adding those links to our show notes for anybody to access really quickly. But thank you again. This has been super useful for everybody, I think.
0: Thanks. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. And take a minute to rate the show and leave a review. It really helps us out, and it makes it easier for more educators to find us. For more tips to help you bring the best to your students, text POD, that's P-O-D, to 48744.